there, I'm Dr. Amy King, otherwise known as Dr. Amy, and this podcast is the most important medicine. If you're a professional who wants to have a greater impact in the lives of children and families by building resilience, this podcast is for you. Join us to become a trauma-informed champion by nurturing connections through relational health to help kids and families thrive. Every time you join me, you'll hear practical information and leave with tangible tools you can use every day. Hey friends, it's Dr. Amy today, and it is time for our October wrap. We have had an incredible month, and for those of you that are watching the video portion of this podcast, which you can find on YouTube, I put up a little virtual background of sunshine and summer because the rain has definitely settled in in the Pacific Northwest. So we are in for our winter months. At any rate, for those of you that joined us during the month of October, you'll know that October was about connecting with kids who are sometimes hard to connect with. And we experience that in various capacities, whether that might be in a healthcare setting with a child with a developmental disability or medical condition or just difficult or disruptive behavior. And the same can be true in educational settings or home visiting settings. But I have to tell you the professionals and lived experience voices that we had join us this month were really remarkable in helping us just kind of reframe how we think about behavior that might be challenging or complex or difficult at times. So I thought I would just dive into some of the highlights of this past month. If you remember, we kicked off the month with my friend Robin Goebel, um, who has an incredible podcast herself called Big Baffling Behaviors. And if you haven't had a chance yet to listen to her podcast, I'll link up to it in the show notes. She also has a book that matches the same title, uh, Big Baffling Behaviors, and how to kind of connect with kids. And I have to say, she had so many gems in just a short podcast. The first one I took away from her was that we really need to be looking for cues and clues, right? So what are the cues that kids are sending out about their behaviors, about their unmet needs, about their desire to seek connection with us? And what are the clues that they might give off? So today I was uh, doing one of my learning collaboratives in the Connected Collab. If you're not familiar with the Connected Collab, it's a monthly learning collaborative that I offer to professionals who work with kids and families. And I have a group for medical providers. I have a group for teachers. I have a group for educational leaders. So we have some really incredible affinity groups going on in there if you're interested. Anyway, we were talking at one of our learning collaboratives today about kids crying, babies crying, toddlers crying, school-age children crying, even teenagers crying. And what's going on? And I thought back to what Robin said about cues and clues, right? How is it that that child is trying to communicate? If we're thinking about a baby, that's simply their need to connect with us. And it's their only way to communicate. They're doing it because it's developmentally appropriate to try to get their needs met and connect with us. And as kids get older, for toddlers, it might be a variety of reasons. They might not have enough words yet to express what they're going through. They might be tired or hungry or thirsty. They may feel scared or dysregulated and just want an extra adult nearby. And again, as kids get older, some of those needs may become more complex. But often if we look at what happened just before the crying, what's the unmet need? What are some environmental triggers that might be going on? It really does give us a lot of clues as to why that behavior is happening. And it also gives us, I think, a lot more compassion as well. 
The second thing she talked about is really focusing on regulation, connection, and felt safety. And I won't go into all of those definitions for our October wrap. I'll let you go in and listen to Robin's incredible interview around these terms. But what I will say as someone who does a lot of training in trauma-informed care is that these three aspects that Robin focused on are paramount in being a trauma-informed professional, focusing on regulation, over any kind of lesson that you're trying to teach or information you're trying to share, because if a kid's dysregulated, they're not going to learn. And then really focusing on connection and relationship. And only if kids are in a regulated space, can they get back to a baseline where they can really connect with us and be relational. And those things happen when there's both physical and emotional safety that's present. The last takeaway from Robin, and it's one of my favorite quotes of hers, I cannot take credit for it, gosh, I wish I could, but it's that changing the way we see people changes people. Let me give you an example of that. I have a 17-year-old son. He can be pretty hormonal. He can be pretty testy. He can be pretty grumpy at times. And if I change the way I see him, in other words, If I see him as a young man who's doing his very best to regulate himself, who is tenderhearted and compassionate and funny, then when he comes out of his room and he's frustrated with me and his voice is loud and his body's loud, if I change the way I see him, if I see him as my son who wants to connect, who wouldn't intend harm, who doesn't want me to be sad or disconnected from him. He certainly doesn't want to hurt me in any capacity, even though he might unintentionally. If I see him as this young man who's just struggling to figure out how to communicate, how to regulate, and if I focus instead on how do I want to respond and model for him a regulated adult response versus like a dysregulated, angry adult response, which of course is our natural instinct to want to do when our kids are coming at us screaming, yelling, being disrespectful or hurtful. But when we use this phrase from Robin, changing how we see people changes people, it really does completely shift then how we're going to interact with all of them, especially the people that we love the most. All right. After Robin's incredible interview, we moved on and I got to interview, of course, two of my favorite people. It was my mom and my brother, Tyler. For those of you that don't know, I have a really large family. My parents were divorced, and um, on my mom's side, I'm the oldest of five. On my dad's side, I'm the second of four. And so I have lots of siblings. (laughs) And uh, Tyler is really special because he has a disability and uh, still lives with my mom and is really independent in so many ways and dependent for lots of reasons. And I think sometimes when we think about kids with disabilities, it does feel kind of hard to connect with them. But I hope what you heard in that podcast were a few things. One, the importance of advocacy. You know, my mom really advocated for Tyler and to have his needs met both medically and educationally from the time he was a baby. That piece of advocating for your child with a disability becomes so important. 
In fact, I remember working with a developmental pediatrician years ago who said to me that she really did expect that parents of children with disabilities would become experts on their child's particular disability and needs. Because even as a developmental pediatrician, she couldn't even begin to keep up with every single type of disability, every single nuance within a specific disability or medical condition. She really relied on parents to become their child's own best expert. And in fact, what my mom has found is that the people that she works with as professionals, medical doctors or teachers who treat her in that way, really have incredible relationships. So, you know, in the podcast, you heard her tell a story about a pediatrician who really collaborated with her and heard the concern that she had about my brother being on all of these medications and wanting to kind of pull back and monitor and start from scratch. And he honored that. He really partnered with my mom and said, okay, I hear you as a parent, you know your child really well. Um, here are some thoughts and worries and concerns that I have. Here's how we're gonna monitor this. This is how we'll do it together. And the same thing for one of my brother's favorite teachers and also one of my mom's favorite educators for him, um, Jude, who was an incredible teacher in his life, but really partnered with both my brother to figure out how he could be at his optimal capacity as a young person, and with my mom in terms of what he needed as a young man to be successful. So probably the only other thing you'll take out of that podcast is me crying at the end, <laughs> because how could I not? He is so sweet. And um, while for some people it might seem hard to connect because, you know, he has a bit of a cognitive delay and he can be somewhat repetitive. He's just the kindest, funniest um, most sincere soul that I know. All right, moving on before I start crying again. Last wrap of the month is Danny Verona. And I have to tell you, friends, I got so much feedback on social media about Danny, just how excited people were to have her voice out in the world. You know, she's here in Oregon with me. And so being able to like have this reach for Danny to the country and to the world, people were just so excited to support her work. And she has been doing this work for a really long time. Uh, she is a gentle soul and a brilliant occupational therapist. Here is my big takeaway from Danny, for those of you that didn't listen to her whole podcast, and that is the analogy of operating systems and that for kids that may have complex needs or medical needs or disabilities of any type or executive function difficulties, they're operating from a different um, processing space than the rest of us or many of us. I, I will admit, self-admittedly, my operating system is I'm an extrovert, I'm social, I connect with people, I love talking about feelings and relationships, and that's how I engage with other people. And when Danny said to me, you know, that's not everybody's operating system. And when we ask them to be on the operating system, that's kind of selfish of us and misunderstanding where they're coming from and what gifts they might have to give back to the world. If their operating system is engineering, if their operating system is biokinetics, if their operating system is sports, what kinesthetic, whatever the case may be, and we're expecting someone to operate only the way we want them to communicate with us, only the way we want them to relate to us. Oh my gosh, we're missing this beautiful soul. And it made me think really deeply about one of my friend's kids who definitely has an engineering brain and can be a little socially awkward at times and 
Um, but gosh, he is so sweet. And the first to help figure out something on somebody's computer or reprogram something or, you know, help tutor someone in an academic area. But if you ask him about social rules and social scripts and expectations about behavior, he's really lost. He's as lost as I am when I'm trying to program a computer or figure out how to work my Alexa for Pete's sake. So I loved that Danny's message was to accept and honor people where they are. So anyway, October was just full of gems. And if you're not one to listen to every single podcast, the wrap is really your opportunity to get the cliff notes and my big takeaways and why I invited each of those guests on and why I thought it was important. So that's it, really. Um, That's the wrap for October. November, we are moving into boundaries. Woo, the B word. So if you want to tune in, we're having incredible guests during the months of during the month of November. I think it's perfect timing as we're moving into all things holidays. Um, also, if you're listening right now in the fall of 2023, there's just a lot of turmoil happening in our world. And so I also think it's important for us to have boundaries. And remember, boundaries can be personal, they can be professional, they can be systemic, and we'll learn about all of those in the month of November, kicking off the month with one of my good friends and colleagues, Dr. Whitney Caceres, who just is putting out a brand new book that we're going to talk all about. So I hope you tune into that. Um, That's it, friends. If you are not part of one of our learning collaboratives, the Connected Collabs, why not? They are such an incredible community of safe compassionate, like-minded people. I hope you think about joining one of our connected collabs. I'll put the links in the show notes as well as everything else I mentioned today. All right, go get busy um, doing something incredible in this world. Thanks for being a connected champion for children. Bye for now. Well, that's it, friends. If you like what you're hearing here, please download my free resource called 10 Guiding Principles to Nurture Connection and Help Children and Families Thrive. This is the most important medicine. Keep listening to other people's stories and let them transform you. And keep sharing yours because your humanity will heal others. Bye for now.